back! We're back! It's a distraction. I'm Drew. That's Roth. Good morning, Roth. Good morning, Drew. How are you this morning? Good and extra special good morning to our emergency guest, Patrick Redford, straight out of wherever he is right now in California. Hi, Patrick. Hello. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thanks for thanks for joining us. It's even earlier in the morning where you are. How is your morning going? I am thriving right now. Drew gave me yeah. time to make coffee before I jumped on this podcast with you guys, and so that's I'm I'm doing great. Yeah, we we love a caffeinated Patrick Redford. That's what it's all about. Uh, our old friend Rohan Nadkarni was supposed to join us for the podcast, but I believe he is still asleep in Los Angeles, and so Rohan is fired. The fucking deadbeat. Patrick has bravely joined in as the sixth man off the bench to uh, join us in a little, uh, in the spirit of Defector, belated NBA season preview. Haters get in the anger's easy. So let's do that right there now, is. Patrick. Is that nice, Patrick, to have Drew singing be like the third thing you heard today? That's what I, that's what I expected when I came here. It's, it's, it's very reassuring, like hearing, you know, the voice of my father or something. I feel yep. soothed. <laughs> the voice of your oh, no. Oh, no. I'm sort not of old. imitating Eddie Vedder. But yeah, it's nice. I am not. I am not old enough to be your dad. Definitely I'm 46. Not. You're not. You're not 19, right? So no, haven't been oh. in several years. Wow. Okay. All right. That that reassures me. Hey, let's talk about the NBA. The uh, the season is already kicked off, but again, uh, that is no hindrance to us pretending as if it hasn't. All right. So uh, now that it started, after all the fuss, uh, Ben Simmons of the Nets has finally returned to the court. Uh, I don't feel like there was a lot of fanfare around this, not compared to all the time he was gone and we got so much take juice out of it, that it was really like like the take to like action ratio perhaps was like the most imbalanced as it's been outside of any election season. Uh, anyway, uh, Simmons remains the exact same tragically flawed player he was before uh, he missed the past two years of action. And he might even be a little bit worse. Did we learn a single goddamn thing from any of this, Patrick Redford, the Simmons thing has been really, really hard to watch. Um, I forget the exact numbers, but he's definitely fouled out of two of the three games he's played this year. Yeah. Um, Do you want the exact numbers? Yeah, I want to he hear, hear uh, me with the he stats. Has 17, 17 points and fourteen fouls. Is that bad? <laughs> I don't follow basketball closely, but I don't think those numbers are supposed to be as near each other. As and, if you take away the points, that was my high school stat line. <laughs> so <laughs> Um, and like the thing with Simmons and like, we should get to this, I guess at some point is like the offensive fit was always going to be weird, but you know, he was this hypothetical, perfect third star next to Kyrie and KD because he was this great defensive player and he could sort of just connect all these dots on offense that having to shoot. Um, and almost none of that has been right so far. The defense has been particularly alarming because like the nets are on pace to have like the worst defensive rebounding rate of all time. They like, and their offense is fine, but their defense is just stunningly bad. It's really weird so far. Yeah, it is bizarre to see. I mean, Simmons, it's like, you know, by the time, the last time anybody saw him play before this season, he was like the most broken NBA player that anybody could remember. I mean, he just wouldn't and couldn't, it seemed like, do any of the sort of basic stuff you need a player to do. I think that everyone sort of expected that that he would not just pick up wherever that left off. Like, that's not sustainable. And somehow it seems like he has actually gotten a little bit worse. Like, the defense is bizarre. Like, some of the the game that he fouled out of most recently involved him just 
like getting beat in weird ways, like doing kind of like pickup fouls, like just grabbing a guy because they sort of uh, have the ball and you forgot like how to use your body in that sort of scenario. And that was never, for all the things that you could say about Simmons, who's like, you know, has been a very good player, has been an all NBA player. He always looked cool. Like he's just like got this amazing sort of basketball player presence. And he doesn't even uh, like have the, he's not passing the uh, eye test anymore to use a, a hooper term yeah um is it um can i chalk this up to just basic rust he hasn't played in years probably um but like because this is the nets you know, you have Kyrie, one of the least self-aware people of all time giving quotes after the first game where he was like we told ben we cannot afford him to foul out he is not allowed to foul out and it's like sir sir yep. do you know <laughs> do you know what's been happening yep. the last few years yeah Kyrie actually honestly does not, he doesn't have internet. He has no way of knowing uh, really like what Ben Simmons has been up to. He was like surprised, pleasantly surprised probably to see him in the locker room. And then it's sort of like, I thought you were good, man. I don't know. I've been paying attention to other stuff. Yeah. Are the Nets? uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to riff. You ask your question. Well, no, I was going to ask if the, if the Nets are just straight up bad. Cause you're talking to me as if they're playing defense, like James Harden never left. Um, I think their uh, inability to have more than one and a half functional big men on the court at any time is going to be a pretty serious hindrance to them. I mean, Nick Claxton, Nick Claxton is like an okay defender, but he's read thin and like the offense kind of turns to shit. I mean, it doesn't turn to shit, but like if him and Simmons are on the court at the same time, basically you're just going to run KD Kyrie two on fours a lot of the time. And they have just so many contradictions to smooth out as well as like, a coach who seems a in over his head and B was publicly asked to be fired by the star two months ago. Right. Hey, and the GM too. <laughs> yeah. That's the part of it. That's so incredible about all of this is that like the whole off season, the nets were just sort of like, we're all very unhappy. Like every one of us wants to leave. And we also want everybody else to leave too. And then it's just the same fucking team. Like they just sort of, everybody was like, all right, yeah. well, I'm glad we got that out. Um, we did not work through any of this, but we are ready to play basketball. Now the thing that it's just a point to your question, Drew, about whether they're actually bad, um, Albert Bernico wrote about sort of the problems that Simmons's badness has created for the team so far. Yes. Like the point that he made that I think uh, is worth bearing in mind is that like as soon as the team either makes some moves or just figures out how to use Simmons properly, which is like on offense, not with the ball in his hands, but like just sort of as a guy who is attacking the rim downhill off of actions designed to get him that opportunity, like there's a chance that they could win a championship. Like if you use this talent right, it's impossibly good and very, very difficult to defend. And probably also, you know, like the defense is not going to be this bad all the way through. It's just that like, that's, you know, what Patrick was saying. Like, I don't know that Steve Nash is necessarily going to figure it out. I don't know what kind of moves they could make to get mm-hmm. better. And so like for now, like they definitely seem bad. Like as we are all talking about this, like, Patrick, do you believe any of what Roth just said? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, I mean, they beat okay. the Raptors who are like a legitimately good team. Yeah. Um, and you know, the opening night Pelicans loss weird um, losing to Memphis, you know, you're losing in Memphis when Desmond Bain has a career game and jaws just doing incredible things. So, but I was losing in Memphis. <laughs> so 
you know, if you take their record against the Eastern Conference teams and not teams from the American South, they're crushing it. And so as long as you want to believe in one of those little sample sizes, yeah, things will be fine. And like, well, also they're playing in a conference that, okay, you know, they've got their issues. The Celtics suspended their head coach for reasons that we still haven't, you know, been illuminated on. Oh, I'd be happy to speculate. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to speculate, speculate all day, all day long about what Ime Udoka did or didn't do. But uh, it seems to me like there's a clear path uh, for some team. I mean, most notably the Bucks to just cruise through and and win the conference. At, you know, barely breaking a sweat. But am I wrong there, Redford? Is this a more competitive conference than it would appear to be? Because it looks like the NFC of conferences right now. Um, I think the Celtics look basically great. Um, I think they'll be fine. The Robert Eww. Williams piece is basically all that's really missing there. But, you know, even without him, I think they'll defend at an extremely high level. And hopefully for them, not hopefully for us, he's like back healthy by the playoffs. Because, I mean, I think if he's not hurt, they probably win the title last year. He was just incredible against the Warriors. I did the full like journey with them through the playoffs last year. Where like by the time we got to the finals, I was like, you know what? You don't have to like the Celtics, but God damn it, you gotta respect. Them. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't love thinking thoughts like that. I'd rather think something else. I've disliked the Celtics my entire life. What's good about that is that I was able to do the sort of the ba- the Ben Simmons brain wipe on that, and it's like as soon as this season started again, I was just like. Whatever regard I had like put together for them over the postseason, that is gone now. And I see Good them for just you. like nice green uniforms. You look stupid. You look <laughs> yeah, like a plant. I like that. Um, two two Eastern Conference teams have. Be- I mean, it's early season, but two Eastern Conference teams have better scoring margins than the Bucks, and that's the Cavs who might actually be good, and the New York Knicks, who I'm contractually not allowed to talk about in this podcast. Yeah, that is actually <laughs> all that. This is what's great about doing this preview at this point in the season, because we can admit that there's been like five NBA games played is that like, if we're just going through the standings and stuff, then it's like, look, we got to talk about the wizards, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like they're right away. It's like, everything is still stupid enough that there's like, it's totally unrepresentative. I, uh, I absolutely looked at the standings as my preparation for this podcast. <laughs> no, but I think it's normal. It's just like the standings right now are just like, I, mean, I saw one of the, they still have to do these stupid power rankings at like ESPN and stuff. And I saw one the other oh, day yeah. where they were like, the Jazz have entered our top five. And it's like, keep your goddamn right they have. <laughs> like, we simply must address the Kelly Olynyk situation. Yeah, but um, actually, on the Knicks, I think the Knicks will be, if not actually good, then like pretty consistently competitive throughout the season. I think Brunson looks incredible. And that bench is like one of the best in the NBA. Like you've got Isaiah Hartenstein out there making plays. We they're, love Hartenstein. Like if Julius Randle can sort of drink some water and fix his life, I think they can like <laughs> they can be really fun. There's no reason. Well, also, uh, Brunson was so good in the playoffs last year. Was I mean that's Incredible. a that's just a great great addition. Uh, I want to go back for a second though because you said that the Cavs might be actually good. You know, uh, uppercase actually good, title case ac- actually good. Uh, why Donovan Mitchell? Um, Looks great. I mean, Darius Garland has a weird eye thing right now, but their top four of Mitchell Garland, um, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen is like as intriguing as it is like strangely fitting together. I mean, you basically have like a polarization of tall guys and short guys there. Yeah. And it makes it makes one wonder like how what they could do if their small forward spot was not filled by Dean Wade, but was instead filled by um, LeBron James. Yeah. I just wish he but was there. Well, It'd be so that's fun. That's the 
the re- especially too. I mean, like I, we are contractually obligated to speak about the Lakers. Poor Patrick got dragged out of bed to talk about the fucking Lakers on local time, <laughs> but like they're not going to do it. But it would be, I think, the the funniest possible move for them is LeBron asking for a trade at some point and just being like, "I want to go home again. Like you got to send me back to Cleveland." And then finding out he can't be traded until next season, but still sort of doing it anyway. Yep. Just, well, just, why would he have to ask? He's the GM of that fucking joint anyway. <laughs> well, Wouldn't he just trade his own ass to Cleveland for like a second rounder or something stupid? There's a lot that bums me out about the Lakers situation. And one of them is that like as a lifelong unabashed LeBron fan, he bears as much blame for this situation as anyone oh, yeah. because he like he got them Russ. And like that's when all the problems started. Right. This is the team he wanted. But what about him on the court, how have his skills been on the court? Have they eroded? Is he, is he close to the player he was? Like if you, if you had your, you know, your wet dream scenario of him going back to Cleveland and filling in that power forward spot, would he actually be LeBron or would he be something far less? He's looked incredible this season. Yeah. Um, okay. Like he's, I, I think he sort of is regarding the morons around him and coming to the correct conclusion that it's time for LeBron to shoot nine threes a game or whatever. Yep. Um, oh, he wants to score now. Oh, I've always wanted. Yeah. That. He looks, he looks good. He looks feisty. I mean, because their half court offense is, you know, that of like essentially an ACC team. Um, they are just getting out and running every opportunity they can. And so like in every game I've watched, they go on like one incredible third quarter run where Patrick Beverly and LeBron decide like, we're going to guard now. And then they get, you know, three steals and five possessions and get some dunks. And that's basically like, not only their like, that's their best offense really. Um, other than that, it's just sort of LeBron cooking in the half court, you know, when Russell Westbrook doesn't touch the ball and, you know, he's been great. Everyone else. What about uh, Anthony? What about Anthony Davis? How has him? How's he been? How will he be? I mean, Roth, maybe you disagree, but, the Davis thing has been weird. He used to be just this incredible jump shooter who could like, who was sort of like a bigger, less efficient KD in the sense that he could get a shot from anywhere and like shoot a pretty high efficiency. But it's just looked, it's looked kind of weird. He hasn't wanted to bang down low for like years now. And then if the shot goes, it's just sort of like, what, you know, what, what's he doing? What's his utility right. here? We were talking about this the other day in the work slack too, that like, I feel crazy for remembering something. Like, I feel like, I'm remembering something that didn't happen. He used to be uh, willing to take three-point shots. That, like, when that brief, like, sort of false dawn that the Pelicans had when he was there and before DeMarcus Cousins got hurt for what was probably the final and most decisive injury of his career, that, like, they were both shooting threes, and they ruled. They were incredible to watch. They weren't exactly good, but they were, like, fun. But, yeah, at this point, he's, like, I mean, he's still identifiably Anthony Davis, but, yeah, like, hates playing down low, not quite the defensive force that he was. But if he's also not shooting effectively or even shooting willingly, then it's, like, you know, you know, you watch, like, a Vladimir Radmanovich. This is a rude comparison. Let's but go. you watch, like, Vladimir <laughs> Radmanovich over, and you're just sort of, like, well, this is, like, he's doing what he wants to do, but also, like, this is probably the limits of how he's going to help a team. He's going to, like periodically show up with some crazy haircut and there'll be a few games where he hits a bunch of threes and like he's so tall that like a rebound will roll to him eventually that's like that's not anthony davis like even if you account for some diminishment due to injuries and attrition and all that other stuff like this just is not like identifiably the same dude that i remember pretty vividly from like two Two years years ago. ago 
Two yeah, years ago, he yeah. was an octopus on the court. Like, yeah. you could not, you couldn't get out of his reach. Nobody could. And so, I feel like the leakers have this, po- I mean, I don't think they're going to unlock it um, under the current regime, and I probably not until Russell Westbrook is gone. There's still some sort of latent potential there that I just feel like there is a sort of toxic fog hanging over the team now, and until that is blown away by some force or other, like, it's just going to be like this. Like, they're just going to be kind of obnoxious and weird and difficult to watch, even though they have, you know, whatever, two Hall of Famers on the team, and one of them somehow is playing as well as he ever has, despite being 37 or however old LeBron is. Yeah, 38. Um, Have you seen their bench? Have you seen the guys they play? I love it. Ooh. They're dog shit, right? Because I was I was going to dispute Roth that that Russell Westbrook is not their only personnel problem on this team, right? He's not their the only one, but like it's as a thought experiment, it's worth um, it's depressing and worth thinking about how much better they would be if just like all of those Westbrook minutes were like Kendrick Nunn or Austin Reeves yeah. minutes, and just by Westbrook not like there is um, Zach Lowe mentioned this play on his podcast yesterday where Russ passes it to AD. And then AD points to like where he wants Russ to set the screen to run the play that Darvin Ham diagnosed. And Russ just yeah, the designed shrugs play his that shoulders. The team does. And then LeBron, <laughs> AD, and everyone else point to the same spot again. Russ shrugs his shoulders again and takes three steps back. And then eventually they get a Pat Beverly contested three with like eight on the shot clock. And it's just it's just Ooh. disgusting, disgusting basketball. This is another one of those things, too, where it makes me feel, like, sort of naive in some ways for it. Like, I sort of thought this would take, like, two weeks. I didn't think that it would start on opening night. Like, I did eventually think that Westbrook was just going to enter the, whatever, mind palace and (laughs) become uh, delirious. I didn't think that it would be, like, on day one that he was just sort of like, no, no, I think uh, I'm not going to do what you want me to do. Shouldn't uh, shouldn't we then be celebrating Russell Westbrook for being a sleeper agent that destroys the Lakers from within Roth and Patrick? Artist. That's a good yeah. take, yeah. If he was doing this to the Celtics, I'd be like, fuck yeah, <laughs> baby. I'd be so fucking happy. Uh, let me ask you about the Timberwolves, Redford, because they went all in in the offseason by trading for Rudy Gobert, which is, it's hilarious on its face to say the Minnesota Timberwolves are going all in on anything. Because it's like, but do you see any early signs of that move paying off? They've got a lot to figure out. Um, uh, Steve Jones, the former NBA assistant, he does these good like video breakdowns of individual games on Twitter. And he was just pointing out like how much weird stuff they have to do to get Cat and Gobert in this like coherent offense, like, and defense just because they both occupy these like weird spaces on the floor. Um, I mean, I, I think they'll eventually figure it out. Losing to the Spurs is not a great look. Um, and the there's like a pretty weird sort of upside and downside to that trade. The upside is that by trading all those picks, they ruined the Kevin Durant trade market and basically prevented the Suns from getting him. This is my Ooh. personal theory. No, it's true. Um, and the, the downside is that like they traded all their useful bench guys. And so... They just they have a lot of weird stuff to figure out, but I think Ant Edwards, who's like the coolest guy in the world, could really take the leap this season and sort of like change his shot diet enough and like improve as a playmaker enough that like he could be that all star kind of guy. And I think I mean they just have so much talent. I think they're going to win a million regular season games, and then you know we'll see what Rudy can do in the playoffs. But I think they'll be fine. You uh, you said that um, the Carl Anthony Towns. Um 
did sort of weird stuff on the floor or that, that I'm not quite phrasing it correctly, but can you explain that weirdness to me for a moment? Yeah. So it's just like you have go, I mean, on defense specifically, like Gobert's always played this like drop system where he just like hangs out by the rim and dares people to try to beat him. And like that alone gives you like a top 10 defense most of the time uh, when paired with another seven footer who like is incapable of moving his feet laterally. Um, you just kind of have some weird perimeter contradictions where like cat now has to like defend in space in a somewhat uncomfortable way. Um, okay. And on offense, you know, because Gobert is just going to sort of stand in the dunker spot, like that kind of clogs up some of the rim stuff cat likes to do. And so, I mean, he, he's going to have to go back to taking, you know, a million threes this season. I think, I mean, he's like the best offensive big man since, or maybe even better than Dirk Nowitzki. Like he can absolutely take eight threes a game and you're happy with that. Damn. Um, that's a strong, that's a strong statement. Well, and Kat is also the guy who will go on podcasts all summer and talk about how no one's respecting him enough and point to his three point percentage. <laughs> and it's like, Motherfucker, it's July and you've won like three playoff games in your life. Like, please stand down. Yep. He's a really interesting, cause it's like, I, support him i enjoy watching him like i want to see him do well and yet he has one of the weirder nba personalities to me because he's super aggrieved he has like i think probably like a correct image of himself as being one of the best players in the nba and yet like the way that he like he is so easy to bait and stuff like this that it's like anybody that like says something rude to him where they're more like carl anthony villages more like like he will freak (laughs) out like he'll lose 48 hours fuming over that stuff like uh last season in the play on against the clippers i think he had he fouled out with like five points against a team with no big men that was like an all-time disaster and they're so lucky he won because otherwise the entire summer would have been spent just talking shit about how bad he looked like yeah he needs to do something really mad he would have gotten like a motivational tattoo about it (laughs) uh let's talk about two you talked about ian edwards making the leap let's talk about two other players one of whom already did uh, and another one uh, who seems very much poised to. The first one, Zion Williamson of the Pelicans. He is back. Is this the season that you think he becomes everything we expected of him, Patrick Redford? For better and for worse, maybe, because he's already out with like a sort of freak foot injury. Um, probably not for too long, hopefully. But mm. the Pelicans are the Pelicans have some hitters now. Um, you know, when he was last healthy, there was sort of this weird misshapen team, and he was basically playing point guard for like a Stan Van Gundy team. And now, like, the entire personnel has changed. They have, like, an all-star level guard. Um, But, like, if he just gets the ball near the rim or, like, with a little bit of momentum, he's going to get to the rim. And so I think think as long as he plays, he'll just shoot 80% and get 26 a game and just crush everyone. Um, He looks great in his, you know, the two games he's played so far. So I hope, I hope his just, like, Size does not hold him back from just getting these weird injuries all the time. Yeah, yeah. it'd be so annoying if that. It's happened. very cool to see, like, see him not just like back and and sort of playing when he's there, but in like that like boulder mode that he can go into where it's and it was they gave him the ball like on the Van Gundy teams because there was nobody else that should have had it. Now that there's other guys that could like get him the ball while he is moving towards the basket instead of him having to generate that offense himself, like. There's just going to be a lot of uh, really cool dunks where he's um, flying through the air despite being just <laughs> as dense as a fucking neutron star while other big professional athletes get out of the way like it's a like extras in a Godzilla movie. Like that is basketball theater to me. That's cinema. 
I love the shit. Um, and like him and Jonas on the court at the same time presents some weird defensive questions, but also they're going to grab like half of the available offensive rebounds and just fight you on every play. It's so fun. Yeah. Uh, actually, let's take a break and uh, we'll come right back with Patrick Redford. We uh, will be right back. All right, we're back with Patrick Redford, and uh, I got two more NBA questions for you, uh, Patrick. Before we move on to, we'll do like the world's laziest World Series preview, and then we'll get to the stupid shit. So uh, <laughs> we talked about Zion right before the break. We're on the other side of the break now. Let's talk about Job Morant. Uh, do you think he will make the Grizzlies, who have by far the coolest crowd in uh, oh, in the, the NBA, best. will he make them Finals caliber this season? Can he and can he sustain his level of intense play for an entire season? much less many of them without breaking down. I I sure hope so. He's he I don't think there's anyone who's even close to him as like the most fun player to watch every single night on both ends of the right. court. Like the chase down blocks and shit he does on defense have been so fun. And I think the Grizzlies are like in this sort of interesting structural place where they let go of a few of their vets like DeAnthony Melton and Kyle Anderson specifically to acquire, you know, Jake LaRavia and all these little baby guys. And so like Next year, they'll all be 25 and just full of killers. But, like, I think Jaron Jackson is good enough as a defensive anchor that they could definitely make the finals this year. I don't think that's crazy. Yeah. Yep. They're, it's funny because I, the challenge with Ja for me as an idiot is that I can't distinguish between, like, it's, there's so much cool stuff happening at every moment that he's on the floor that I'm not able to judge it in an objective sort of way. Like I can't really tell how well it's working because I'm so giddy the whole time that I'm watching it. And that uh, it's hard for that in, for me to, I think take them seriously. Cause I'm like, no, they're like a cool team. They're not a good team. Like a good team is boring and you don't like watching them. And a cool team has like whatever, 30,000 Memphis people just like waving their hands in the air and screaming all <laughs> game long. <laughs> well, this guy does cool dunks over. It's people. such a perfect match of player and city. It's almost yeah. painful to contemplate. But you, really you really do cool. think Patrick, that they're like actually a good team and not just yeah. a cool team. I know that's an artificial distinction. They I'm were good saying. a year ago. Yeah, they were awesome. I think, I think, I think if Jaw doesn't get hurt, I mean, they were really pushing the warriors to, to a pretty, in a pretty serious way. And like, that is true. The thing about jaw was like, okay, can he do it in the playoffs against the best teams? And like, yeah, he could. Yes, and I think right. if, if they're gonna make, if if they're gonna make the finals, like you're gonna have to see Desmond Bain hitting another level, which like so far so good, and then you're gonna need to get something from like the Zaire Williams, Jake Laravia minutes, like you know, in, in a more serious way than they're doing now. But like, I think that team. I mean, Jaron Jackson would have been the DPOY last year if he had just played the entire. And a lot of people voted for him. Um, and so if he's like actually healthy and like rested, I think they can play with anyone. Um, they're also something I love about them is that they're all 23 years old, but um, they're not scared of anyone. Like their yeah. demeanor is just so it's impossible not to root for. Jaws just That's the, best. the the jaw difference is that because there's a lot of NBA guys that have that like you know whatever just sort of an alpha presentation like Morant is authentically like there's not any element of acting to that like he just does not. And I think, you know, justifiably so, does not seem to think that there's anyone that he could not and therefore should not be dunking over. <laughs> and, like, that's fucking awesome to me. Like, that's the mindset you want to see. Yeah, I do. I do enjoy him. Let's uh, get to the final piece of the puzzle, which is the defending champions, uh, the Warriors. Um, and I want to go back to the Draymond-Jordan Poole incident because Draymond punched the shit out of Jordan Poole in the practice. The rumor was 
it was over which one of them would get a max contract extension. Jordan Poole just got one. Um, so, Patrick, I wanted to ask you about the Warriors. And then also, more specifically, do you feel like this is Draymond's last year in Golden State? Is there any way that it's not his last year in Golden State? There, a, a lot of people have broken down, you know, the salaries and the luxury tax payments. And, like, Joe Lacob has said he's not going to pay for a $500 million team, um, which is right. sort of what it would take to bring everyone back at, like, the correct number. Um and like through four games, I think Draymond has looked pretty great on the court. Um, he's pretty spry. He's, he's he's sort of motivated himself by uh, creating a bunch of self-inflicted adversity. So now he's like prepared to go hard. Um, I, I just generating content for his podcast. Like he's like adding little little filigrees to his life, so he has something to do a special emergency episode. And like we saw in the finals last year, what Draymond looks like if he's missing that like five ten percent top line athleticism and can't get by guys in advantageous situations and like it still kind of works and so i wonder like if his if his fall off from his athletic prime is like a two-year thing or like a five-year thing because it's it's pretty clear to me right now that like that team doesn't really work without him just like there's so many defensive contradictions he squares for you and so i think I mean, it's going to be sort of painful. They might have to trade someone, but like I, I sort of, because like the simplest way to make the salary math work is basically just say no Draymond. But I think they're, the basketball case is ultimately too strong. Um, and like this all sort of, you know, assumes that he and Poole can get along long-term, which like, I don't, I don't really know if that's true. <laughs> can Draymond yeah. and anyone get along? Like we have the at thing. some point, like once you have Falcon punched a coworker, <laughs> it's the sort of, that's going to be a challenging thing to work through going forward. The thing I wonder about with Draymond that, like, not to belabor it too much because none of us necessarily know. No, you can't. I think you're right that the Warriors don't necessarily work without him. I have no ability to imagine what kind of player he would be if he weren't on the Warriors. Like, the idea, like, I could see any number of justification, you know, a team deciding, like, he's as, you know, final pieces of complicated puzzles go, like a guy that can do all the things that he does. Like, that is a good answer for that sort of thing, if that's what you're looking for. But I also feel like, you know, if you, like, plug him into the Pistons or whatever, if he's not surrounded by the stuff that he's been surrounded by in Golden State, I don't really know who he is or what he would be able to do. You know, I used to think that way. I used to be like, oh, ha ha, when Draymond goes to fucking, I don't know, Sacramento, no offense or anything like that. <laughs> you know, he'll just eat shit and just he'll just be an ordinary player. But over the past year... And change. I've changed my tune on that a lot. I think he's such a brilliant player. I think he would thrive, even if it was on a shit team like the Pistons, and they still lost, you know, whatever, 40 games a year anyway with Draymond. I still think he would play to a really, really good level. The fact that he wouldn't have good talent around him, you know, that's not anything that he can help. But I don't think that he would look like a pud. Oh, that's just because he doesn't I mean. have splash It's a question of how he, how he'd be used. I don't think he would, like, bail and, like, do the... Boris Diaw in Charlotte thing where he just gets really into like going espresso mode. soft yeah just go absolutely becoming a soft cheese aficionado like right off the bat and sticking with it uh the world series begins on friday patrick redford do you have a rooting interest here let's go Phillies. i hate the yeah. astros as an al west fan and just like guy who um likes good stuff i hate the astros uh but the astros are uh still eligible to have a perfect postseason, which they don't lose a single game. 
you don't find that appealing or do you find that just utterly horrific to contact? I find it appealing in this in the way that like the Patriots team that lost to that Giants, they lost their perfect season in the Super Bowl is appealing for it's like <laughs> it's levels of fall from grace potential. Um, that's kind of all I care about here. Yeah, I feel like the Astros, I am not as down on them as I could be, maybe should be, whatever. Uh I'm not mad at them anymore. I like Dusty Baker, whatever. I'd be fine if they won a World Series. At this point, uh, my hope is just that the Phillies have, because I have watched them a lot. We talked about this last week. I don't think they're actually that great, but I want to believe that they can just like carry this through for more wins, and it won't matter. If it, would, it would appear that they, like John Morant, don't care that they right. are not supposed to be here. They just That's an bash the fucking shit out of the ball. thing, too. Like that was on the amp show. Kelsey used the phrase sports magic to define that the other day. And that is like pure sports magic shit. Like you, if you can't believe in that, then you should just watch episodic TV instead. The real monkey's paw scenario would be that the Astros lose the series, but it's because specifically of something Dusty Baker did. Cause he's the only, oh, yeah, that would be sad. He's the only likable part of that team. So if Dusty had some fuck up where he lives, leaves a pitcher in for like, 170 pitches and that pitcher gives up the like the losing grand slam in game seven like i'd be like ha ha but i'd be like oh dusty oh poor dusty your guy of the week patrick redford uh this was tailored to rohan and i was too lazy to change it to some random king so your guy of the week aronda gadston do you remember him patrick or are you too young i don't remember him what's his deal okay he was a receiver for the dolphins his son uh, is a star wideout for Syracuse now, oh a surprisingly gosh. good Syracuse. Yeah, that was the one. Syracuse is good, right? They're good. I can't. Weird. I can't believe they're good, but they're yeah. They haven't been good since like Donovan McNabb was there. But seeing them good and playing in the fucking Carrier Dome, yeah, where like the where like the camera has to be like five feet away from every player because there's no <laughs> room to accommodate yep. it anywhere else. I can tell that Syracuse is good because there's one bar in my neighborhood that inflates the big um, orange guy out front. <laughs> oh, the orange orange guy. And so I saw him on the street the other day, and I knew it wasn't basketball season, so I was like, oh, something is happening here. Because like, they don't break out the big orange guy for like the average uh, football game. <laughs> the orange guy and the Western Kentucky Hilltopper are easily two of the funnier mascots. Oh, yeah. like, if they show up in, in like a sports center ad, forget it. I'm sold. I'm ready yep. to go. Um, I have a baseball question for you, Roth. Yes. What's, what's up with Aaron Judge? What's going to happen? That's a good question. Uh, I it, it's There's two things that feel more or less equally inevitable to me, but only one of them can actually happen. Uh, like, one of them is that the Yankees fuck this up on principle, like that there's some sort of like Randy Levine or one of the like sort of vile holdover execs gets it into his head that like, you just can't pay the guy. Like, he's looking, he's 31, he hasn't been available. You know, there's all this like sort of just, Yankee bullshit that they could play uh, and screw this up and then he goes and plays for the Giants and that's great and you get to see him uh, you know in local time a couple of hundred times hopefully over the course of a few years do you think that will happen though because it seems no, like the Yankees have been the very other sensible is, is that I feel like there's no in the same way that I feel like Steve Cohen is going to pay Jacob DeGrom whatever it takes to keep him like unless DeGrom really really wants to leave I just can't see how the Yankees would let him go Right. Uh, and, you know, that would be an expensive team and they would have luxury tax considerations that they have uh, mostly, you know, been pretty hardcore about avoiding paying. I just feel like, you know, whatever, Yankees fans will forgive a lot and they, you know, could replace him. And, you know, like if they win, people will forget about it in time. 
I feel like it would be heartbreaking to let him go. And I just, I can't imagine them letting him do it. And yet it's very easy having observed the Yankees front office to see like how they might fuck it up. I just can't imagine that they would. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, yeah. also, but you, I mean, you mentioned it yourself. It would be judge's choice. It is free agency. And so he might exercise that agency in theory, yeah. correct? Who wouldn't want to go play in San Francisco? Well, here's the thing. I I had no opinion on the Yankees generally until I found out where Aaron Judge was from. Um, Until you learned where he went to high school. I learned where he went to high school and (laughs) that he was born in the same hospital as me. So now I'm a Judge fan. Yeah. Wow. Damn. Yeah. it's like you two are related. Yeah, basically. I mean, yeah. I mean, the appearance, it's un- the resemblance is uncanny. I'm within like four or six inches of his height. So like, That's what's true. the difference? Uh, Brian writes in, this is the fun bag. He writes in, Patrick Redford, of the four major sports, which is the most frustrating to watch when your favorite team's offense is getting shut down? Brian says baseball is the worst. Patrick, do you agree? I think that's right because um, a bad football offense can be kind of funny. Um, and as a yeah. fan of a team, a basketball team that has basically not scored hundred points in 16 years, um, <laughs> you could always, you know, whatever, uh, it's gotta be baseball. Yeah. I remember watching that Astros Mariners, like marathon shutout and just like feeling just pain. Yeah. No nope. ba- baseball. It's kind of inexplicable. Like I will watch, I think it was, I, it was the Mariners, I believe. And they were, they were getting shut out by the Astros and not just shut out, but like, um, emphatically so like yeah. couldn't even like couldn't even get the ball n- a bat near a ball and that always felt inexplicable to me i don't i don't know how a pitcher is able to do that roth how did they work that magic i mean just all non-competitive innings at bats whatever it is there's really not a lot to like hang your hat on to like visually like i think to patrick's point like the idea of like watching like i'm not gonna pr- sit here and pretend that i enjoyed it but the like sort of terminal stage Joe Judge Giants, where they were just basically like looking in the rule book to see if you could punt on second down. <laughs> just, like there was an element of that where it was kind of uh, you know absurdist. Like it had like a real uh, a comedy vibe, even though I was not laughing and was in fact upset <laughs> whenever I watched it. The like and a non-competitive baseball at bat is just like it's a walkover, you know, and like you can't even necessarily enjoy the craft of what the pitcher's doing either because it's like the, the batters look so out of it that it's like it's a mismatch. Like you're not sort of being like, oh, that's a great pitch, but you know, like they're just like sort of flailing and tapping out, and that's a yeah. There's not a whole lot there. In honor of the U.S. men's national team, I'd also like to note soccer here, yeah. and I don't oh. mean that just because oh, soccer's low scoring, yeah, but like when you're rooting for a soccer team like the UN's men's national team and they can't like the U S men's national team (laughs) and they can't even get the ball past fucking midfield. That's rough. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a tough side. What are are we in? That feels bad. What is their deal? We're fucked. (laughs) I mean, they played two of the worst games they have in years against Japan and Saudi Arabia and looked just bad all around. Um, But if you are going off club form, all of their top guys are basically peaking at the right time. Like Gio Reyna, who I think is like the team's actual best player, like started and played 75 incredible minutes against Man City yesterday. He looks great. Pulisic's now back in the rotation. Um, McKinney, whatever, he's scoring goals, even if he can't really like play soccer at a high level. Um, so like anything could happen. I think the group is really tough. Like 
Iran is not a fake team. Wales is probably better than the U.S. Um, I mean, I would be disappointed if they don't make it out of the group stage, but that's not like an outlier outcome. They could also win like a knockout round game if they get not the Netherlands. So there's a lot of variance here. Um, I'm very nervous. I don't feel good about this. <laughs> will they be fun? They will be fun. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, yeah, they'll be that's fun. That's all I care about. I'm not expecting them to fucking win. Is Michael fucking Bradley still on the team? No. That wouldn't be fun. That's the right question to ask vis-a-vis that because everyone in the team is like 23 and cool and plays for like the best teams okay. in the world. And like oh, they God. play this formation that's like entirely reliant on their three midfield guys covering the ground of four and their fullbacks like doing real hooper shit up the field. So, and like they've proven, I mean, theoretically against Uruguay that like they can do that against good teams. Um, and like, they're not going to back down and park the bus. And so I, I think they will be fun. Uh, Mike writes in Patrick, is there a name for when you're on a flight and you keep one eye on the screen of another passenger's movie, particularly when the movie is one you would never actually watch on your own. I don't think I'll ever watch the 2003 rom-com about time, but I'll be damned if I wasn't enjoying myself keeping half an eye on it throughout the seatbacks in front of me. That's the uh, Delta Airlines protocols. I did that with the Elvis movie like two <laughs> weeks ago. Um, oh, and there's yeah. yeah, I do this every I've never really even thought about this, but I do this basically every flight. This is a great question. Yeah, I think that's also like there are certain movies that are maybe not best, but perhaps most enjoyably watched that way. The Elvis movie being a good example of it, I think. Like I watched, a, I don't know, I guess the back half of it uh, just the other day flipping around. And like, as with all uh, Baz Luhrmann stuff, like I'm sort of like more uh, susceptible to his charms than I would have expected or maybe that I'm comfortable with. But I have to like, take breaks i have to leave the room every now and then it's just too much there's too much shit happening and that is like a, a identifiable tier of entertainment to me there's like things that i watch with you know my whole attention there's things i watch with like a second screen you know to boop around on because i don't care that much and then there's stuff that is just exhausting to me and periodically i'm gonna need to just like go out of the room and sit down in the dark for a little while uh, I've noticed that when I'm on flights, um, if there's a TV in the seat back, it will default to a movie, um, whether or not anyone's paying attention to it or not, and if they haven't turned their TV off. So I've been on flights where like, there's like 50 sc- seat backs showing Spider-Man No Way Home. And like you oh, just yeah. you can't help but like see it like when you're going to take a piss or whatever. The other one is that if someone's watching something like on their laptop or something like that, that has a lot of mature content in it, like tits and ass and like like <laughs> violence and stuff like that. Like I always like I always gawk like oh like oh like like wow they're really they're not afraid to go for it. And I say this as somebody who watched Inherent Vice on a plane, <laughs> and there's like there's a full frontal scene in there, and like I I was like I was like angling my fucking laptop toward the window and shit like that because I was like oh someone might arrest me for looking at boobies. And like, oh. Is that something that's happened to you a lot? Like you're on a plane and you look over and someone's just watching whatever sliver. Like is that normal? Yeah, they're like, but they'll watch like an episode of Game of Thrones. So they'll okay. watch you know they'll watch like just a standard R-rated movie. But I have the dad ability to see what they're watching at the exact most awkward time <laughs> that they're watching it. Like, you can't teach that. 
No, you can't. My dad had that power, and now I have that power. It's knowing where to stand. Power. Yeah, that's that's what it's all about, indeed. With that power comes great responsibility. Hey, Brandon Nix and Chantel Holder are our producers. Nora Ritchie is our executive producer. The theme song is by Kirk Hamilton. You can listen to ad-free episodes of The Distraction only on Stitch Premium. Thanks to Roth and me and Patty Red. You can get a free month of Stitch Premium right now. Just go to StitcherPremium.com and use the promo code DISTRACT. Oh, yeah. Don't forget to rate Review and subscribe wherever it is that you listen. And subscribe to Defector.com, too, while you're at it. Patrick Redford is a hero for coming off the bench and joining us this week. Hope you have a great NBA season, a Patrick. Sacramento King. Yeah, you, Patrick. And, uh, and everyone enjoy the World Series. We'll see you all next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.